So I'm here with Dr. Marno Ryan. Dr. Marno Ryan is a gastroenterologist and a hepatologist. You have a special interest in fatty liver disease. I've been interested in this condition for quite a long time. In fact, I did my research way back in 2000 um, when really we didn't know a lot about this condition except that it seemed to be very common. We really didn't have a feeling for who was really a candidate for that condition or why some people progressed. It was something that was affecting you know, almost every patient in our clinic. So I guess we became interested in it from that point of view. Really, Nuffield is an accumulation of fat in the liver, but it's extremely common in the community. In fact, about 30% of the population have some fat in the liver. Not everyone will then go on to have a liver problem. It's really only people who have additional risk factors, individuals who perhaps are a bit overweight, obese, and then also have other metabolic risk factors. And the most important one is diabetes. So yeah. if you have diabetes, you by definition have some fat in the liver. So Nuffield's really an umbrella term that just refers to fat in the liver but then within that group there's a lot of people who don't have any problems they just have some fat and that's it and then mm. other individuals will then go on to liver disease and it's really up yes. to us to sort out so who those people are. You said 30% of the population have some yeah. fat in the liver and there are no symptoms. Is it obese people only that get this? It's not only obese people. In terms of symptoms most people have absolutely no symptoms, but some people do mention fatigue as being an issue. People who carry more weight are more likely to have fat in the liver, but it's actually more directly related to diabetes and insulin resistance. So you can be not overweight but have diabetes and insulin resistance and then you'll have fat in the liver. And also the other risk factors are high blood pressure, a high triglyceride in the blood, and then some other metabolic features as well. And when would you typically become alerted that somebody has fatty liver disease? So initially, it's really something that's often picked up just looking at the liver test so if the patient has a blood test for some other reason and the liver tests are found to be abnormal that's often when it's picked up or if the patient has an ultrasound because they've had some pain for example they might the fat might be seen in the liver then so often it's picked up incidentally when other pe when people are having tests for other things based on a number of other things it is important to consider um, seeing a liver doctor to see whether it is actually a problem or not. And what about non-alcoholic steatohepatitis how does that fit into the picture because that's a more serious disease isn't it? Yeah so non-alcoholic steatohepatitis also called NASH is sort of the condition that we worry about so if we're talking 30% of the population have some fat perhaps five percent might have NASH. Five percent so of the thirty percent or five percent of the population. Five percent of the population. That's huge really though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well probably yeah. two to five percent. Yeah. yeah. It is huge. And if you're thinking about, you know, for example, the population of the states, there's huge numbers are affected. And so NASH is the inflammatory condition, so it's where the fat has irritated the liver and caused inflammation. You need to develop that in order to then develop scarring and cirrhosis. So if you don't have the inflammatory side of it, you often don't really progress to the scarring. But it's really something we're trying to work out as to why some people go down the path of inflammation, scarring and cirrhosis and others don't. Mm. So we're just trying to sort that out. But it does seem to be related to the number of metabolic features that you have. And so when somebody has NASH, they actually know they've got it. They, they would understand. No, not, not, not necessarily. necessarily. Wouldn't, they wouldn't feel anything. Yeah. Mm, but inflammation would affect other parts? Not necessarily. necessarily, no, so they wouldn't feel anything. And the liver tests will just be a little bit abnormal, but again, that's not really a good guide. Really, the only way to determine if someone has that active 
condition NASH as opposed to just some background fat is really just a couple of different tests that we can do. So well, initially an ultrasound and then some blood tests and then potentially another kind of scan to measure the scarring in the liver called a fibro scan that will help mm. us as well. But ultimately the only way to really know is to do a liver biopsy. Mm. So there's no typical person in Australia out of those... 30%, 5% that you could say is a NASH, your typical NASH person. Um, if you're thinking about who's the most to be most at risk, it would really be people with diabetes, particularly males, and particularly those with a BMI over 30, mm. so in the obese category, and then potentially with some other metabolic risk factors. They're the ones I would think about. And the other thing that's really important is to think about alcohol, because this lesion is you know, termed non-alcoholic, meaning that um, there's no alcohol um, and the patients still have a liver problem. But if you then have alcohol on top of that, that's an additive effect. People with diabetes who drink alcohol, for example, are more at risk. What would you say to people who do have a BMI of over 30? Should they actually have a test? I think if you're diabetic, definitely, yes. Yeah. I wouldn't say every person with a BMI over 30 has to have a liver test, but uh, if you are diabetic, then yes, that should definitely be part of your panel of bloods that you have. It does seem concerning that even though you may have NASH, you may have no symptoms, and of course there's a period, isn't there, that if you catch it early, then you can actually do something about it. Yeah, so it is, it's really important to try to pick it up if you can, and a lot of GPs say to us, well, a lot of my patients you know, are male over 30 with diabetes, BMI over 30. I think we do have to cast the net a little bit wide to make sure we don't miss people and all it requires is basically a blood test and then potentially an ultrasound so they're not too invasive procedures in order just to try and clarify who might be at risk. Casting that net wide how what do you think we should be doing then as a, as a country or as an organisation like Liverwell Hepatitis Victoria yeah. to cast that net wider? Well I think an awareness of this condition so that if you are if you do fall into that category of being diabetic or overweight you could actually ask your doctor you know do you think it's likely I've got fatty liver should I do a liver test and actually do that liver test and to see if, the, if it is abnormal and whether or not we should proceed to any further investigations. So we need more awareness because it's a growing problem I mean how do you see the problem evolving in the next few years in Australia? Look, initially, um, over the last 20 years, it's really been liver doctors that have seen it and other doctors haven't seen it as much and there's been a bit of a question about, is this real, you know? Um, cardiologists saying that patients have cardiac issues more important in the same group of people. Um, but now we're really seeing this as being a major issue and um, it's now the second most common indication for liver transplant. Um, so it is actually a growing issue and affecting a lot of people. I think we do need to be aware as um, our population increases in weight um, that's going to be an ongoing issue. Do you have like any health tips or any kind of suggestions for people that that may be concerned listening to this thinking Mm. that they might actually have it or what could they do? Well first of all the most important thing is to manage your other metabolic conditions so manage your diabetes and control your sugar, manage your blood pressure, manage your cholesterol. The second most important thing to do is to lose some weight if that's an issue for you. And we do know that only a very small percentage of body weight loss is required to improve the liver. How much? So if you lose up to 5% of your body weight, you can actually reduce the fat in the liver but also reduce the NASH, the inflammation. So actually reduce that activity in the liver that's driving damage. And if you lose up to 10% of your body weight, we know that you can actually reverse the scarring, reverse the fibrosis. 
doesn't matter how big you are, it's 5%. It doesn't matter, it's 5% of your body weight, yeah. And the studies show that, yeah, 10% you can improve your fibrosis. Now, obviously, um, scarring and fibrosis in the liver progresses over time and eventually it will come to a point where it is irreversible, but if it's early stage, it can be reversed. So that's why it's important to see these people early on in, in their condition so we can introduce that. Obviously, weight loss is difficult and everyone struggles, but there's lots and lots of new innovations in that area in terms of medications and dietary manipulation that we can help patients with. Yeah. Any other help t- tips about food or particular drinks, things people should avoid? So there's been a few studies, including ours, demonstrating that the Mediterranean diet is the best diet for these individuals. And that diet is high in unsaturated fat so I recommend to people to have fish two to three times a week um, avocados tree nuts and green leafy vegetables and have less red meat probably twice a week um, less carbohydrate and that's sort of a really good diet for patients with this condition it also is very good for diabetes in terms of what to avoid simple sugars are obviously really bad for the fatty liver Um, particularly fructose it actually gets converted directly into fat there's no gateway bypass like there is with glucose so foods that are high in fructose are bad Um, obviously fruit is not too high in fructose because there's water and fibre and everything. So it's really more the high fructose drinks that are a problem. Mm, so fructose as in just fruit juices? Yeah, fruit juices, yeah. Um, soft drinks, those kind of things are yeah. not good. Are yeah. there anything, superfoods, anything that you could say, oh, that's because people focus <coughs> on coffee. As coffee has been demonstrated to be associated with a reduction in sort of liver scarring and fibrosis. Now, that does come with a caveat because obviously if you have like a venti latte with multiple sugars, etc., <laughs> it's not going to be as good for you as a small it's coffee with a small milk. Espresso, or yeah, something with not too much milk. But yeah, that's a really positive finding. Yeah. Any other ones which um, people might not expect that you know? Look, I recommend to my patients, you know, the, more of the low fructose fruits like the berries mm. to be good. Mano, have you got any other things you would like to say to people that might be listening to this who have concern about NASH or fatty liver disease? I think it's really important to to remember that you don't need to lose a lot of weight, you only need to lose a small amount of weight and that can be from a dietary perspective as well as exercise and it's really important to remember that exercise maintains your muscles um, in terms of improving your glucose control as well as improving your metabolic rate. So Um, Basically, it all comes down to diet and exercise in the end. Um, But there are many innovations on the way. Um, I was going to ask you about those. What about pharmaceutical innovations? Any pharma? Yeah, there's some fantastic things that are coming. We've been involved in some clinical trials with some medications that actually induce weight loss, um, which is beneficial for the whole metabolic picture, as well as the um, liver itself. So they're going to be fantastic. Um, They're probably a couple of years away. The drug companies are now combining medications to get multiple different sort of um, directions yeah. from which we can have benefit. And alcohol, what do you think about alcohol? Because some, I, I'm talking to some specialists who say, unfortunately, alcohol is a no-no, mm. period. Well, it's a tricky one because um, some recent studies did show that even small amounts, like two to five standard drinks per week, are not safe if you look at population risk of liver disease. However, the Mediterranean diet does have one standard drink a day on five days of the week as part of the diet so um, so I think you know small amounts are okay up to two to four standard drinks a week are okay if you've got fatty liver but we do need to remember that it, it's an additive effect so it does tend to work with the yeah. condition okay anything mm. else you'd like to add 
I'm really happy with how Hepatitis Victoria is really bringing this um, to be more of a focus because it has been something that people aren't really aware of. Um, it's really been, you know, people accusing people of being alcoholics in the cupboard and things when really they've got nothing to do with that. So I think it's great that we all know a lot more about NAFL now. That's right. Well, thank you so much. It's been very helpful. So I've been talking to Dr. Mano Ryan, who is a gastroenterologist and a specialist in liver health and a hepatologist. So if you'd like to find out more about what we're doing at Hepatitis Victoria Liverwell, just go to our website. That's liverwell.org.au. Thank you, Mano. No problem. Thank you. Thank you.